remember the Brady Bunch? Raise your hand if you remember the Brady Bunch. Most of us, I think even those of us who were born after that was on television, uh, we still remember or know uh, a bit about the Brady Bunch. You have Carol, if you remember, and you have Mike. Carol has three daughters. She has Marsha, she has Jan, she has Cindy. Mike has three sons, Greg, Peter, Bobby. And as the song go, the lady meets the fellow. They realize that it's more than just a hunch. So they get married, they form the Brady Bunch. Do you all remember that show? Great show. I won't sing the same theme song this morning. There's a, an ongoing uh, 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 refrain often in, in many of the episodes about, about Marsha. Do you all remember Marsha? She's pretty much perfect. She's pretty, she's smart, she's really the envy of everyone else in the show, especially her sister Jan. Marsha is often being compared to Jan, Jan's often being compared to Marsha, and it sort of drives Jan nuts, if you remember. There's one episode called Her Sister's Shadow, where Jan is writing this wonderful essay, this patriotic essay for this school competition. And all her teacher is doing this entire time is talking about how great Marsha's essay was when she wrote it. And then Jan, finally in her frustration, yells out, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Do you all remember that? Even if you've not seen that episode, you probably remember that line. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. If you have a sibling, older or younger, you've probably said something like that at some point in your life. I've got a younger brother. I, at times, cried out, Brad, 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 get over him. He's not as good as me. That's what I wanted to say to my parents at times. That's what's happening, I think, in this reading from Luke's gospel account today. We're sort of getting the the Brady Bunch gospel reading in our reading for today. We'll get back to our story about Martha and Mary in just a minute. Here's what's happening in Luke's gospel account. Here's what's happening in this chapter 10. Jesus, we're told in chapter 9, begins to head toward Jerusalem. He is making his way to the cross. He's making his way to the grave. He's telling his disciples over and over again that this has to be done. And so he starts to travel with with the twelve. And as they go, they enter various villages. He teaches, he heals, he says wonderful things. We pick up in Luke chapter 10. We started reading Luke chapter 10 at the beginning of July. And on that first Sunday of July, if you remember, we read about Jesus appointing 70 additional missionaries, apostles, disciples, and sending them out into the world. That was the first Sunday of July. He says to them that when you go, this is going to be really hard work. He says, when you go, this is going to be dangerous work. He says, when you go, don't take your purse, don't take your extra tunics, just go out and preach this message to all who will receive it. Some folks will receive it, he says, and other folks are going to reject you and this message. Some folks, he says, might, might even try to kill you for this message that you're preaching. But go out into the world, be preachers, be healers, be doers of this good news. That was the first Sunday of July. The second Sunday of July, last Sunday, if you remember, we heard what I think is probably one of the most powerful parables in all of the scriptures. It's one of the most well-known. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Do you all remember that 
parable, that story. A lawyer comes up to Jesus and asks him how he can inherit eternal life, and Jesus asks him, asks him what the commands are. The lawyer says, love God, love your neighbor. Jesus says, go out and do those things. And then he tells this parable about a man who's going down to Jericho from Jerusalem. Do you all remember this from last week? He's going down to Jericho from Jerusalem, and as he's on this dangerous road, robbers come out and and beat him up. They strip him down. They take all of his clothes, all of his money. They leave him to die on the side of the road. A priest comes by. He sees the man. He keeps walking. A Levite comes by. He sees this man dying. He keeps walking. And then It's the Samaritan, the one who's the other, the one who isn't very well liked by the Jewish people. It's the Samaritan who stops and helps this man. He nurses him back to health. He takes him to the inn. He says to the innkeeper, I'm going to give you some money. Do what you can to make sure he's okay. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to make sure that everything is paid in full. The bill is paid in full. Jesus is telling us in this parable that we should be very mindful of how we treat our neighbors. Who is your neighbor, he says to us. Who is your neighbor? This is an extremely important parable for us to hear today, in today's world. A world filled with violence, a world filled with hate, a world where we have terrorist attacks almost weekly. In in Nice, we have this uprising. In Turkey, we heard about these awful things in Orlando last month, these shootings that have been happening almost daily in our country. We need to ask ourselves, who is our neighbor? Who are our neighbors? And how are we going to care for those people? It's an important, an important parable. Today we hear the story of Martha and Mary. We'll get to that in just a second. And then finally, next Sunday, the last Sunday of July, we hear uh, Jesus giving to his disciples the words to say when they need to pray. He gives them the Lord's Prayer, a prayer that most of us, many of us, have memorized, know by heart. We say it, a lot of us, every day. We say it in church every Sunday. It's a very powerful prayer. July is, as I read these various gospel accounts, July really is a month about discipleship. July is a month about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. How do we live this out in the world? How do we love our neighbors? How do we love God? How do we treat each other? That's, that's what discipleship's all about, and that's what this month of July in the gospel readings is all about. So how does this, this story for today, this reading from Luke chapter 10 about Martha and Mary, how does that fit into this larger theme of discipleship? Let's look, look at it for a minute or two. The story picks up with, as I said, Jesus and his disciples, his apostles. They're, they're headed to Jerusalem. They stop in this unnamed village at Martha's house. And we're told that as they enter into the house, Martha is sort of busy back behind the scenes. She's working. She's getting everything ready to go. She's, she's very distracted, the text, text says, by, by so many things. And, and Mary, the other sister, Martha's sister, is sitting down on the floor with Jesus and all of the male disciples. Mary's here. Martha's over here. She's working away. She's very busy. And there's, there's something to know about this right off the bat. There are Lots of things to know, but one thing that I want to point out. Martha isn't busy because she's just a busybody. She's not busy because that's just the way she is. She's busy because she's living into this principle of hospitality that was so very important in the biblical world. This principle says that when you have visitors, when you have guests, when you have strangers that come through your door, you have to take care of them. 
you need to give them food, you need to make sure they're comfortable, you need to make sure they have something to drink, and that's what Martha's doing. All of these friends, her Lord, have come over to visit her house, and so she, as the head of the household, is making sure that everything is good to go. So you can almost see her just running back and forth, making sure everything is ready. And Mary, she's seated right there on the floor. She's paying attention to Jesus. And finally, at some point, Martha sees all of this, and she just, she just can't take it anymore. She goes to Jesus, and she says, I'm, I'm busting my back over here. Tell Mary to get up and help me. Don't you care about me? You can, it's almost heartbreaking what she says. Don't you care And Jesus responds not in the way that we might think he would respond. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are so distracted. And Mary is is focused on the one thing that's important. And you can just sort of feel the heartbreak, especially if you identify with Martha in some way. Lillian Daniel, who's one of my favorite preacher. She's a United Church of Christ preacher. She says that she identifies with Martha, and she said that if she were in that scene, she probably would have said some things to Jesus that I can't say in polite company here at St. John's Church. She probably would have said to him something like, do not dare call me distracted. I'm the one who's making this whole party happen, Jesus. And those of us who identify with Martha probably feel the same way. We get angry, a little angry, as we hear Jesus say these things to Martha. When we hear this story, there's, there's often the, the temptation to try to decide who are we more like? Who's, who's better? Who's right? Who's wrong? Is, is Martha right? Is Mary right? Is Martha better? Is Mary better? Is it better to be like Martha and live out this service? Is it better to be like Mary and have this quiet life of prayer? How, how should we be? Are you a Martha or are you, our, are you a Mary? Some people might have asked you that at some point in church. Are you Martha or are you Mary? I think it's honestly a little dangerous for us to to do that, because that misses the entire point of the story. This story isn't about who's better, who's right, who's wrong. This story is about Jesus breaking down barriers, Jesus breaking down these societal norms, Jesus saying to Mary and to Martha, you, just like all of these men sitting at my feet, you too can be a disciple. That's That's what this story is all about. So many times in in the church, really just in in any faith tradition, we like to play the game of we're right, you're wrong, we're better than you are, you're not as good as we are, we pray better, we sing better, we're going to heaven, you're going to hell. We do that a whole lot in the life of the church. But the message that we hear today in this story is that Jesus has come to break down all of those barriers, and Jesus is opening up his kingdom to all people. That's That's the message of this story. And so we have to ask ourselves, who do we say, uh, who are the people that we say are unworthy of being a a disciple, a follower of Jesus? Are there there people in our lives, in our community, in our church who aren't as worthy as we are? If we're saying that, we should pause. We should stop. We should ask ourselves, is that really what we want to be saying? It wasn't too long ago in the Episcopal Church that If you were a woman, you could not be a priest, you could not be a bishop. 
It wasn't too long ago in the Episcopal Church that if you were gay or lesbian, you couldn't be ordained, you couldn't be married. It really honestly wasn't that long ago in the Episcopal Church that if you are, were a person of color, uh, it, wouldn't, it would have been very difficult for you to make it through the ordination process. Those things are really in our recent history in the Episcopal Church, but, but thank God we've, we've moved past that. Ed Browning, who was the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, the 24th presiding bishop, died about a week ago. Uh, and Ed was a, an extremely wonderful, gifted preacher and teacher and healer and a wonderful presiding bishop. And when he was elected in 1985, the, one of the first things that he said as he was elected was, this church of ours is open to all. He said, there will be no outcasts. And that's the work that he set about doing in his ministry as presiding bishop. He ordained the first woman in the Episcopal Church to be a bishop, Barbara Harris. He said to bishops who were theologically ready that they could ordain gay and lesbian people. He worked with Desmond Tutu to, to push aside apartheid in South Africa. He spoke up on behalf of Palestinians who were being ill-treated by Israelis. He was not afraid to say that there are no outcasts in God's kingdom, and there are no outcasts in the Episcopal Church. And I think he said that because that's the message of Jesus. That's what we see in this story today of Martha and Mary. We understand that there, that there are no outcasts, that God calls each one of us to be disciples, God calls each one of us to be teachers and healers and ministers in this world. And if we want to change a hurting and a broken world, then we need to focus our lives, we need to focus our energy on the one who is offering good news to us and to all the world. Amen.